With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. The New York Islanders lead the Montreal Canadiens 2-0 late in the second period as we update your Crystal Glass scoreboard. Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. Maple Leafs lead the Rangers 1-0 late in the second period. Early second frame, Avs and Predators 1-1. Blackhawks up 2-1 on the Coyotes. That's late in the first Bruins and Kings coming up later tonight. The Flames with a 2-1 edge on the Lightning now late in the second period. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Before we uh, bring in Tyson Bailey forward for the U of A Golden Bears hockey team, I have a uh, have a little bit of news and then a confession to make. Patrick Bauer working on the other side of the window this evening as our studio producer. First of all, Patrick, it's good to see you. We haven't had a shift together in a while. Yeah, no, it's been a while. It's good to see you too. You look thinner. I'm worried about you. Well, I... <laughs> you you forgot what I look like then, because I I gain weight throughout the hockey season. Maybe like, that's it. Maybe uh, you're... this this is a good segue because I was going to briefly talk about Star Trek. It, 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 no, just trust me. All right. Uh, uh, William Shatner used to be thinner at the start of the season and then heavier as it went on. I definitely gain a few more pounds as the uh, season goes on. So you, you need I, Shatner's I, secret. It's a girdle. I'll sell you my old one. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, uh, I have talked on this show briefly sometimes because we we will do the odd entertainment type discussion on Inside Sports. Sure. Um, I I apparently was the one of the few people on Earth not to get Netflix. So a little a few weeks ago, I was like, okay, I'm I'm going to get Netflix. I'll get I'll get the free month. I'll suck it up up and pay the ten bucks a month until maybe I'll like it and keep it, or maybe I'll be like, this isn't worth it. So it's incredible what's on there. Yeah, but I find myself mostly watching episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation, <laughs> many of which I used to watch on ITV at 5 p.m. every day when I was in university. Yeah, but now I find myself wanting to start conversations with people by going, Captain's Log, Stardate 5125.5252.886. The Borg have found us. Have you been re- have you been repressing or suppressing those urges? I've or? been repressing my inner <laughs> Captain Picard. That's what's been happening. Well, why did every show in season one have to make Wesley Crusher the focus by the end? He's a kid, like every single time. 
Well, we couldn't figure out this alien technology, but thankfully an 11-year-old boy was able to do it. You know, that was they say that a lot of technology um, that we have nowadays is based on stuff that came out of that show, right? So like what? May, maybe, uh, well, like even spaceships? the way cell phones are, the, the phasers that police carry now, that's happening now, right? Well, they don't have phasers, <laughs> they have tasers. Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> you got was the close. confused. I was close. But then they were foreboding that as well with having Wesley understand it. That's the generation now, right? Like, kids know how to run your parents' cell phone before they can even speak nowadays, right? So maybe that's what it was. You know? uh, Patrick Stewart, great actor. Yeah. Great first name. Yes. but I've, I've, So mostly I've watched episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, and I've watched a few episodes of Black Mirror. Isn't that a crazy show? Yeah, good show. I've, I've watched four episodes. I think there's thir- 13 or, or something like that. I watched the first episode, and it frightened me a the little bit. One? I haven't been back. Oh, the, what a way to start that series. Oh, eh? man. If you've watched the first episode, if you've watched Black Mirror, and you just say to someone, the pig one, <laughs> it immediately is like, yep, the pig one. You can't you, you can't get that out of your mind. And, yeah, and now we can't. Now your listeners are going to go and watch that and be like, oh, this is what he was talking about. Yeah. I'm going to wait to watch episode yeah, two it's, as it's well. Some, some pretty good, pretty good science fiction. At least the episodes. So there was one episode I didn't like so much, but three of the four I've watched have, have been pretty good. So anyway, I'm sure we'll be talking about my Netflix adventures uh, in the weeks to come. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh great, Reed. Now I have something to live for. Now I have something to look forward to. <laughs> they really saying that? Tell you what, the U of A Golden Bears have their Canada West semifinal this weekend against the Calgary Dinos. Always a great rivalry, though it's been pretty one-sided in the playoffs. The Golden Bears have won their last 14 series against the Dinos. Calgary has not beaten Alberta in the postseason since 1996. Well, Tyson Bailey from the U of A is going to try to make it 15 series in a row. Tyson, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Doing very well. Reading week, I guess, for most university students, but uh, you Golden Bears, you don't get a skiing trip or anything like that, eh? Hard at practice all week? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no no really days off for us. We're hard at practice Monday to Thursday, so uh, still nice to get a break from school, but still going at it at hockey. How have you found the transition of playing in the Western Hockey League where, you know, you're playing around 70-plus games a year plus playoffs to now a uh, Canada West-type schedule where you're basically playing Friday and Saturday and, and you're practicing a lot more. How's that transition been? And plus you factor in all your schoolwork, I guess, too. Yeah, it's a little uh, less stress on the body, but definitely you still I find you have less time here with uh, the schoolwork. is uh, a heavy load for us uh, to be on the ice uh, for two hours a day and then workouts and then having to do homework yet at night and go to classes. So it's a, it's a pretty busy schedule and uh, – it's kind of hard to maintain at times, but it's all worth it. You had some pretty big offensive seasons with the Kelowna Rockets. Tell, tell me a little bit about the decision to come to the University of Alberta. Were there other university options? Were there were there pro options? How did it all shake down for you last summer? Uh, yeah, there, I had a couple of university options, but I always said if I was going to go uh, in the CIS or I guess U Sport route, I'd go uh, U of A, just knowing their history. And uh, I, I went to Florida Panthers camp in uh, it's September and nothing really worked out, so I just uh, decided to come back to U of A. It was a great choice. All right, what, I mean, you you grew up in Edmonton. Did you live in Edmonton all your life? I uh, yeah, I grew up just outside in Fort Sask and Lamont, so just kind of out in the of Edmonton. Okay, Fort Sask and Lamont. Okay, perfect. So, uh, what was your connection, your knowledge of the U of A when you were a kid? Like, would you go to games? Did you know anybody that that played for them, or, or how did that connection work? Uh, it was more like when I was younger and uh, about like seven, eight, nine years old. There's uh, always Golden Bear camps in Fort Sass. I remember going to with my brother and 
just kind of always knowing about the Golden Bears and how prestigious a team they are in the CNS, or I guess U-Sport again. Uh, it's just, uh, just always knowing around the Bears. Went to a few games, and yeah. All right, so it sounds like that Stan Marple didn't have to do much of a sell job then to convince you on the program. <laughs> no, no, I knew what kind of program it is when I was coming into here. How have you found, and, and I often ask first-year Bears about this, how have you found coming in to the, I guess, the culture of the program and the expectations? I mean, kind of the minimum goal is that they win a national title once every five years, so every group of athletes going through wins at, wins at least once. How, how have you felt just, you know, dealing with the, the very high expectations that come with being a Golden Bear? Uh, definitely, uh, being a corner rocket definitely helped. Uh, we always had high, high expectations, always coming first in the league, and going far in the playoffs so I came from a good uh background with that like always uh if you're not if you don't win a national championship or memorial cup it's a disappointing season so it's uh, it's another reason why I came here I always uh, I like to win Tyson Bailey joining us on Inside Sports, the leading rookie scorer in Canada West this season. His Golden Bears will be facing Calgary in a Canada West semifinal this weekend. You know, I, I want to talk a little about your time in Kelowna. You had, uh, really, you had good offensive years every year, and, and the last two regular seasons, you had 80 goals combined. That's nothing to scoff at. Um, it didn't get drafted, though. Uh, I mean, where was that? Just how did you deal that? I mean, everybody wants to play in the NHL if, if possible. So, I mean, why do you think that nobody snapped you up? And how did you sort of uh, keep going? Which, uh, not to put words in your mouth, but must have been a little disappointing at the time. Yeah, definitely. I remember when I was 18, not getting drafted. My first draft, I was definitely uh, really disappointed. I think the big thing was a knack on my size and my skating ability. For being a smaller guy, I'm not the best, I'm not the fastest out there, so that's really a big knock on me. But uh, and then coming to the decision this summer whether to go pro or to use my scholarship that the WHL provides, uh, I thought it was uh, and that just uh, seeing the teams and the, or the players that are playing the CIS, it was just it was a no-brainer for me to come here and uh, develop more as a player so I can keep on playing hockey once I'm done here. So you were in Panthers development camp. Where, didn't you go to Flames development camp in, in 2015 as well, though? Yeah, went to Flames and the Sharks before that one. So I I, I, I had my shots, but uh, they didn't all work out. All right. Were, were there any guys like like Derek Ryan, for example, is a former Golden Bear who's now playing for the uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes? That TJ Foster's, uh, you know, obviously moved on to play high level pro. Did that? Did did you look at some of those guys? Did that draw on? Did did that affect you at all to pick the U of A too? Oh yeah, for sure. You see players that even when they're in CIS or the sport, like it's it's not over. Your career's not over. You can still make the NHL, and they come to the Golden Bears. Uh, winning helps a lot, uh, especially national champions. That's what gets you noticed, and uh, that's what they do. They do a lot here, so it's uh, yeah, pretty easy pick. Okay, so you've had a big year. Like I mentioned, you you've uh, you led all Canada West rookies in scoring, twenty six points in twenty eight games. You had thirteen goals. What were your personal expectations uh, this season, and did, did you exceed them, given that you almost had a point a game? Uh, definitely. My, well, my goal was to get a point a game this year, but uh, looking how it all played out, I, I'm pretty happy with my season, especially being my first year. You know, uh, it's, it was I had a tough time adjusting it at first, but once I got going, the second half, though, I felt really comfortable, and uh, just being with a new team, trying to get chemistry with guys is always, uh, is always hard, but once you get going, it uh, makes it a lot easier. Would you describe the style of hockey or, or anything about the game different than what you experienced in the WHL? 
Well, it's a lot of the same players, just everyone's a lot older. You're playing against 24, 25-year-olds now. You're playing against grown men, not 16, 17-year-olds. So it's a lot of the same players that you played or I played against or with in the past five years. So, yeah, it's not, not much of a difference, just the strength factor, I find. Okay. All right. Well, tell me a little bit about what you expect from this series. You have Calgary on the weekend. Obviously, that's, that's a huge rivalry. Uh, you know, how did it go against them during the season, and what can fans expect if they go to Claire Drake this weekend? Oh, it's going to be a close game. I'm pretty sure all of our games were one-goal game, a lot of overtime games, even the exhibition. Every game was a close game right down to the right down to the wire. And uh, we, play, we, we play a good defensive game. They're well-structured, and we just have to get inside the structure and make sure uh, we get our pucks in and our bodies. And then, uh, you know, in playoffs, you just got to play with that extra intensity. Would you? Who would you describe as the Bears' chief rival for only being there for a year? Because for me, it's the Saskatchewan Huskies, but Alberta and Calgary have a natural rivalry. Uh, Mount Royal has, has actually done quite well since they moved up to Canada West, though I know they didn't finish the season very well. Who do you sense the most bitterness uh, out there with? Uh, definitely, I think I think Sass or even Calgary. It's a toss-up between those uh, those two. Uh, I guess UFC. It's just, uh, you know, when you play you just you hate them right away. Even in warm-ups, you just look at them. You just yeah, you you feel that in the dressing room, and uh, so it makes uh, that's what makes the games more fun to play in. All right. Well, I love how you put that. You hate them right away. I think you just connected with a lot of Golden Bears fans <laughs> who go watch you play against those teams for sure. Um, Tyson, before we let you go, I mean, you're a, you're a youngster who grew up in the Edmonton area, and you're now playing for the Bears. What would you say to a to a younger hockey player who might be listening right now? Who's you know maybe hoping to make the NHL, but who knows where the road's going to lead? What what advice would you give them? I just always stay positive. No matter if you get cut from a Triple A, Double A team, or if you don't make the juniors your first year, you see guys develop as they go later on. And even if you don't make the NHL, coming out of the WHL or Junior Hockey League, the CIS U Sport or U Sport, just a, it's a good league. To develop and always get your education, so you always have something to fall back on and just never give up on your dream. All right. Well, that's great advice, and all the best to the Golden Bears this weekend. I think I'm going to be there on Saturday, so look forward to seeing you in person, Tyson. Thanks for your time. Sounds good. Thank you. That is Tyson Bailey, leading rookie scorer in Canada West Hockey this season, 26 points, 28 games for the U of A Golden Bears. So 7 o'clock tomorrow at Claire Drake Arena, 6 o'clock Saturday. It's the best 2 out of 3. If they need a third game, it'll be Sunday at 6. The other Canada West semifinal is between Saskatchewan and Mount Royal. The Bears got a bye. They didn't have to play a quarterfinal. They finished second. Saskatchewan finished first and uh, also obviously got a bye. The Edmonton Oilers did not practice today. They get a day off. They'll have a morning skate tomorrow. The game against the Washington Capitals 3.30 in the afternoon for the face-off show. The game will start at 5 as we'll take you into your weekend with Oilers Hockey right here on 6.30. Chet, I got another uh, quick university sports topic I want to touch on as we uh, we roll along here. Something I find very curious about a decision they made in Canada West basketball this season. We'll talk a little curling as well. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. McClellan praised Jordan Eberle after the game last night. Eberle had five shots on goal, picked up an assist as the Oilers 
won 4-3 over the Florida Panthers. Entertaining game to watch last night. The Oilers will be at Washington tomorrow. Tough matchup. Capitals cruising along again through the regular season. Obviously, the question for them is this going to be the year they get it done in the playoffs? 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. By the way, if you uh, ever want to send an email, especially if you have a, a, a... a segment idea. Maybe there's uh, an athlete out there you think deserves some attention. Send it to me. Inside Sports at 630Ched.com. Actually got a suggestion today and uh, am lining up that person likely for uh, for next month. Pretty cool story that we'll have for you in the future here on Inside Sports. We also got a uh, text here from Hank who says, uh, Reed, you got to watch Daredevil on Netflix. Did we get a vote for that on the open? Somebody actually called in and said I should watch Daredevil? That's two for Daredevil now, yeah. All right. Well, two nothing for Daredevil for Netflix suggestions. I think I will watch Daredevil. I'm into the old Marvel comics. Just uh, plug your ears when the offensive language comes on. Oh, is there not any language? Oh, there is. It's well, way better than... we'll deal with it. <laughs> somehow I'll make it work. Daredevil swears, eh? I'm pretty sure it was. there was quite a bit of foul language in there, yeah. A lot of violence, too. For a blind guy, he sure can't fight, you know? Well, because his other senses are super keen. That's probably what it is, he yeah. He knows where you are before you do. What about his sense of well-being? Has that improved as well? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's one of the five senses, Pat. No, not one of the ones we were taught, no. No, not one of the, uh, one of the, one of the five senses we were taught in school. By the way, I went to the, uh, the uh, dentist this morning. Oh, boy. Surprisingly, not as unpleasant as usual. <laughs> as usual. <laughs> that's, that's the thing about going to the dentist. It, it, it's never good. Like, you never go to the dentist going, well, that felt great. I yeah. just was like, well, you know what? That wasn't as bad as other times. <laughs> Did you get a free toothbrush? Yes, well, I yeah, always get a free of toothbrush yeah. and a little mini, uh, what are they, with a little, little mini toothpaste tube. And I think they gave me some chapstick as well. Chapstick? I'm not a big chapstick user. Maybe now I'll start. <laughs> I mean, it's paid for. It's free, so I might as well use it. <laughs> Spoken like a true radio personality, yep. <laughs> so I just, I just want to mention something here. And uh, if, you, if you ever listen to the show, sometimes I get annoyed by things. And uh, this is about Canada West basketball. And I should, I should give a shout-out to the uh, Alberta Pandas, who are playing their Canada West quarterfinal series right now against UBC with six minutes left in the fourth quarter. The Pandas are up 54-49 over at the uh, Savile Sports Centre. That's game one of a best of three. This this actually came out last week, and I've been meaning to, meaning to talk about it. And it's just, just hear me out, because this is extremely unusual. And, and I'm curious what people think. First of all, Patrick, you're a relatively informed sports person. Do you know what RPI stands for? Runs per inning? Not in this context. I guess it could stand for that. Ratings percentage index. or per, Sorry, ratings performance index. And uh, this, so this is how they seeded the teams in Canada West basketball this season. I don't know if people know this. There are 17 teams in Canada West basketball, hmm. including some relatively small schools who generally do poorly every year. But they were admitted into the conference, which I am completely against. It's 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 not it's not really an elite sports conference like it should be. When I was a kid, I think there was when I was a kid when I was going to university, there were seven teams in it. You know, like all wow. really good schools. It was super competitive. So there are seventeen teams, and every school plays twenty games. So you can't possibly play everybody the same number of times. So you have regular opponents that you play every year, and then you have rotating opponents, but. But basically what it works out to is 
you play 10 teams every year, twice. So if Edmonton plays Calgary, they'll play a doubleheader in Calgary, Friday, Saturday. Okay. And then the next year, the Dinos would come here. And then other schools, the Bears might play Regina in Regina one year, then not play them the next year, then they're here the following year. So it's not a balanced schedule. Yep. So the standings are not the actual standings. This this is the this is the great this this is you know I love U Sports as it's called now. I, I love Canada West. I, I you know I love the U of A. But I, I wish more people could get behind it. But they just seem to keep doing things to alienate fans. Like letting every piddly little school into Canada West. So they just get crushed every year. And now <laughs> by by having people look at the standings and then have to be, oh, these actually aren't the standings. So to do the standings, they use the, the, the RPI, the ratings index, the ratings performance index. So I'm gonna I'm this is going to make people's eyes glaze over, and I try not to do too much too much math on the show, but I'm going to read this out just to point out what I feel anyway is the absurdity of it. The RPI is 25% of your team's winning percentage multiplied times 1.2 for a road win and 0.8 for a home win. So home wins are worth less. Then it's 50% of the average winning percentage of all your opponents. And then it's 25% the average winning percentage of your opponent's opponents. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So then they get a number, and then, and then that's how they do this. So you could, you could technically go 20-0 and 0 and be the sixth seed for the playoffs if, if the RPI shows that you beat a bunch of quote-unquote easy teams. Now, for a, this is the thing. <laughs> For for uh, and this has been the story of my life, and everybody who tries to follow U Sports knows this. They're always crying out for more attention, get more fans involved, get more people going to the gyms or following the teams. It seems to me the last way you would want to do that is have an standings that people have to look at and can't easily figure out. So, the, like the U of A Pandas had. They, they tied for the second-best record in women's basketball. They actually got the fourth seed. Saskatchewan finished fifth. They got the number one seed because they had the best RPI because they had the best record against the toughest teams is, is how you look at it. Just listening to you explain that formula, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty and sure I got point. a nosebleed. Usually, yeah. Here's the thing. Usually on, when you host a radio show, you try not to say things that people won't understand. But I intentionally wanted to say things that people wouldn't <laughs> understand to, to point out the absurdity of it. Anyway, that's how they did the standings in uh, Canada West basketball. They're not doing that in Canada West hockey, which starts tomorrow at Claire Drake Arena. All right, we've got the 7.30 news coming up. We'll do a scoreboard update for the, the NHL, and we will meet one of the country's best young curlers, who, by the way, went to the U of A. That's next. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Nuge with a goal last night. Oilers won in Florida at Washington tomorrow. 3.30 face-off show, 5 o'clock for the start of the game here on 630 Chad. NHL tonight, the Flames still with that 2-1 lead on the Lightning. They're three minutes into the third period. The Predators lead the Avalanche 3-2. That's late in the second period. How about this in Chicago? Arizona and the Blackhawks tied 3-3 
after the first period. That is an unusually busy first period in the modern-day NHL. Patrick Kane has his 21st of the season. Bruins and Kings later on tonight. The Maple Leafs still up 1-0 on the Rangers. That's early in the third. And the Islanders with a 2-0 edge on Montreal. That is also early in the third period. That's your crystal glass scoreboard. Heather Nettowin not going to make the playoffs uh, with Team Alberta at the Scotties in St. Catharines. Chelsea Carey, uh, also out of Alberta, representing Team Canada. 7-2 and two with a couple games to play. Has a good shot at making the playoffs. So that'll wrap up this weekend. And then the Briar. The Briar coming up next weekend, and Alberta will be represented by uh, a relatively young curler who's been on the rise for several seasons. Brendan Botcher leading his team to the Boston Pizza Cup Championship and now getting ready for the Big Briar. Brendan, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's great to talk to you because uh, you're a guy I've been uh, reading about and talking about a lot over the last six or seven years and uh, now we get to have you on the show first of all congratulations you won Alberta you're heading to the Briar just just how does that feel how exciting is this lead up for you oh it's uh it's pretty cool to be honest you know we've played so many years against so many of the top teams I know it I know it feels like I'm young and I'm new to the scene but to me it feels like we've been doing this quite a while already um and to win and finally get to go and just be a part of the Briar is amazing I mean, what can you say about getting over that hump in Alberta? I mean, we know how tough Canada is. We know how tough it is just to win provincials in Alberta. You were in the final a couple of years ago. I think you were in the semifinal last year. I mean, what's that grind like just to get out of this province? It's tough. I mean, you look at uh, the names that have come out of Alberta for the better part of the last 20 years, um, and you'll see a lot of Briar winners out of that group. And that just speaks to the depth that we have. And there's a lot of years there where we could have sent one out of the top four teams and they would have had a good chance of winning the Briar. Um, so to come from that and from that mentality and to come through is both really tough and really challenging. Um, and in the other sense, it's really, really rewarding once we actually won and we get to go. What was it like being an, an up-and-coming rink on that scene? Because... Um I know the curling fraternity, I, I think, is relatively close. I think there's some good mentorship and support there. But I also know the guys in their 30s and 40s aren't that thrilled about losing to the guys in their 20s either when it comes right down to it. So what was the, what was the relationship like with some of the, the more established rinks as, you, as you've made your way up here? You know, uh, I've had a lot of support from a lot of them. Um, I know a lot of juniors, just like you said, uh, go through a bit of a grind with a lot of the top teams, and I didn't feel that as much. Um, I've I've tried to be really respectful of all the top players on the way through, and I think that a lot of them have <clears throat> seen that, and uh, they've given me help when I've needed help, and they haven't given me a whole lot of grief otherwise. So they've been they've been pretty well, and those, a lot of those old school guys uh, have helped me have helped me out along the way too, like Kevin is right now. Well, Kevin Martin's your coach, right? Yeah, that's correct. All right, so uh, what's he like? I mean, arguably the greatest <laughs> curler of all time. Um, and I, I don't think very many people would argue that, quite frankly. But uh, And you play with his son as well. But what's it like to have Kevin as a coach? Oh, I think it's, I think it's huge. Um, I think especially at the provincial, the, the first year in the last, I don't know, 19 or 20, where it wasn't 
Kevin or Kevin Cooley or Randy that won it. Um, to have Kevin on the bench with us really added that sort of firm ground for us to come back to. Um, besides the fact that he knows, gosh, almost everything about curling strategically and technically and things like that. He just adds that uh, he's been there. He has the experience. He's he's just the firm ground that we can come back to when it's a little bit of a new experience for us. He, you know, he was known for obviously his, his shot making and his strategy. As a coach, have you ever had those, you know, as, as, a, as him coaching you, have you ever had those moments where you're like, what is he talking about? Like, what does he see? You know what I mean? And then you're kind of like, oh, okay, I got to I gotta start seeing more possibilities. <clears throat> oh, for sure. I mean, uh, as a skip, I think everyone has their own way of doing it a little bit. Um, so being with Kevin has been a little eye-opening because, you know, he'll, he'll point out that there's some shots that we could maybe be playing different. Um, and it's not until you really look at the progression of where he's trying to get to that it all sort of makes sense. Um, he just looks at the game a little bit different than some other guys do. Obviously, that gave him a pretty good edge over the course of his years. Uh, so as much of that as I can try and soak in, and also keeping keeping in mind that you need to play the shots that are sort of tailored to the people you got. So, you know, I've been with certainly Kark and Brad for a long time now, and I know what types of shots are good for us and what type of shots we have a lot of success with. So sort of merging his strategy, my strategy, and sort of my knowledge of my guys together is sort of the task that we're going through. Brendan Botcher joining us on Inside Sports, Alberta men's curling champion. He'll be competing at the Briar starting next weekend. Uh, Brendan, tell me a little bit how you got into this crazy game because, uh, you know, there's always some interesting stories. Some guys just fell in love with it. Some people maybe reluctantly tried it on a school trip and, and then were just like, oh, okay, I guess I'll keep going. What What's your story with getting connected to curling? Yeah, so I think I think a lot of people have a different story. Um, mine's a little unique in the sense that neither of my parents ever curled. Um, so I don't come from a curling family. I wasn't throwing rocks when I was four or five or six years old. Uh, I think I was about nine or ten years old and I was watching curling on the Olympics. I believe the 92 Olympics. Um, and I just pointed out to my parents that it was interesting and it was something I wanted to wanted to try the following winter. Um, and that's how I got into it. I mean, I'm from Sherwood Park. They put me in a junior program, just sort of a learn to curl, get to know what the sport's about type deal. And um, really from there, I got hooked to it. When did you become a skip? I I could be wrong when I'm saying this, but I think I've always been a skip. Oh, really? Even, <laughs> even from like the first couple of years playing recreational junior learn to curl, I think I've always been a skip. How come? You like being the leader or were you just the best shot maker? <laughs> Back then it was more just a who wants to throw what position, put your hand up type deal. Um, <laughs> but, you know, for me it is a lot about the strategy. I really enjoy that part of it. Um, I enjoy being the leader in the sense that, you know, if, if I make my shots, we often win. Um, and if I miss my shots, we often lose. And I, I like having that mentality and I like having that on my shoulders and, you know, when I go out there and put it all out on the line and play really well, we often win. And that, to me, is something that I can really buy into. All right. When did you start to, and I mean, I know you were a junior champion and you did, you did great in university. You got a medal every year uh, playing at CIS and then you won the, the uh, university at bronze as well. You won CIS. 
Um, but, but at what point did you think, like, okay, I'm actually pretty good. Like, maybe I can really pursue this beyond playing twice a week in men's league or something, right? Like, what did you think, okay, there's there are things to be won and accomplished with this game? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I'm anyone that knows me knows that I'm pretty competitive, so I would have to go a lot farther back than uh, my CIS to realize that there was something to win. Um, when I was playing juniors, and, you know, we, we won our first junior provincial in 2010, I believe, and um, got to the Canadian juniors, and that was sort of my first exposure to a Canadian-level event, and I just loved every second of it. I mean, I think we went six and six. It didn't really matter how we did. Um, and then two years later, coming back and winning the Canadian junior and then winning the world junior and sort of the feeling you go through that whole process um, is just something I've ever since then been trying to replicate as many times as I can. And um, I, obviously the CIS stuff is just a huge stepping stone between that junior level and the, the men's level, which at least on the guys' side is a very big gap. Right, okay. Brendan Botcher joining us on Inside Sports. Alberta men's curling champion, skip of the team that's going to the Briar starting uh, next weekend. Tell us a little bit about your current rink, because I understand a, a couple of guys you've been with a while, but there was a bit of a uh, an addition here recently. So how did that happen, and, and how were you able to gel so quickly? Yeah, so, you know, Kark Martin is my lead, and Brad Thiessen is my second, and those two guys have been with me for oh gosh, probably six or seven or eight years now. Brad, probably even a little bit longer than that. Um, so we're pretty close, all three of us. Um, and we've been through, oh gosh, a few people uh, in the third position. And uh, just a couple months ago here, we had a little bit of upheaval with the team that we had started the season with. Um, and we brought on Darren Molding, and he's a He's a curler from down in Lethbridge that I've been playing against. We've all been playing against for a long time now. And um, thought he would be a good fit, thought he would be a good pickup sort of right in the middle of the season. And then leading into Provincials, we only had the better part of a month, maybe a good month to prepare. So we had to hit the ground running pretty hard to get ready for that. Are you set up heaval. Do you want to clarify that? Because that makes it sound like there was a rebellion or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing quite that flashy. I mean, we started the year with Pat Simmons, um, as a lot of people will know. And uh, it, it wasn't working for a few reasons, one of which being um, Pat's just got some health issues that were just nagging and he couldn't quite kick. And with how much we were curling, it's, it's tough. I mean, it beats you up pretty good. Um, and it just didn't make sense for us to continue on the rest of the year with him for a few reasons, certainly that being one of them. And really the commitment for us is playing through to the Olympic trials next year and seeing how deep we can get into that process. Um, so when you're certainly looking beyond one year and you're looking for sort of multi-year commitment out of people, things like that start to matter a little bit more. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, that's right, and that Olympic cycle is so big. Brendan, be, before I let you go, just tell people a little bit here about the final week and a couple days of uh, of preparation. You doing anything different to get ready for the briar, or are you trying to just treat it like, you know, another bond spiel with just a little more on the line? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, for us, we had probably the best week of our year at the Provincial, um, so we're replicating a lot of the same things we did before that event. 
are just out every day with Kevin and doing a lot of work on the weekend to make sure that our bodies are prepared for as much curling as going to happen the following week and just really doing everything we can to get ready. Um, not a whole lot else and then we'll try and get out to St. John's early next week so that we can get acclimatized and be ready to go for the weekend. Okay. Well, we wish you all the best. It's going to be great to watch you on that stage. And, uh, yeah, we hope we can catch up again soon, Brendan. All the best. Really appreciate your time on Inside Sports tonight. Yeah, thank you very much. Good stuff. Great to talk to him, Brendan Botcher. I've never interviewed him before. Uh, a great young curler. Well, I mean, he's now into his, his mid-20s. But, uh, you know, incredible success at the university and junior levels. And now the men's champion for Alberta, Breyer, starting next Saturday in St. John's, Newfoundland. So he's going to be representing Alberta Team Canada, Kevin Cooey. Mark Kennedy, the third on that team, also out of Alberta. So you'll have a couple of rinks to follow. I really enjoyed talking to Brendan. Great story, very dedicated young man. And uh, he mentioned some upheaval there with his rink. Nothing, uh, nothing controversial, but Pat Simmons was the third, had to step away because of some health issues. So they bring in a new third just a couple months before the Provincials, and they're able to win it all. So away goes Brendan. Great stuff there. It's Inside Sports on 630. Chad, you can always text 630-630. The phone number 780 0063. Take a look at your scoreboard as well when we get back. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. Did you see they, they got rid of the, the, well, not got rid of it, but they got rid of actually throwing the pitches for an intentional walk in Major League Baseball? Do you see that, Patrick? So now if you want to intentionally walk a batter, you just say, Take your base, and and down he goes. See, they're not going to waste the time of throwing the four pitches. I mean, it's pretty rare there's actually a, a bungled pitch on an intentional walk. I mean, when it does, it's on every highlight forever, but it doesn't happen very often. I don't mind it. Really? I think it's – I don't like that. I don't like that. Just They just tell them, go ahead, take your base. That's what it's going to be like now, yes. Well, so the booing can start immediately rather than waiting four pitches for the booing to start. <laughs> so why, so why, why, do, why do you – feel that it should stay in the game that they actually throw the pitches because at least it kind of seems like they're trying to participate and at least keep the, the the sport pure right like i mean can you just give a guy a field goal now in football as well i mean it doesn't really compare across there but i mean you get the point i'm trying to make is that it, it seems kind of cheap it cheapens it at least you have the illusion that they're attempting to pitch to the you guy still have to go through the actual motions exactly. of, of of throwing the pitches yeah. i just i just think that it, i mean how often is there actually something goes wrong I mean, it does happen, and it's on every highlight, but there are hundreds of intentional walks compared to the one that, that goes wrong, right? Really, yeah. Now, baseball, but here's the thing about baseball. They, for years, even even decades, I mean, I can remember this being discussed, probably really started in the 90s, maybe, at least that I can remember, that they have had a problem with the games lasting too long. Right, yeah. or going too late into the evening, and younger fans aren't watching, and you and you you don't stay up to watch on TV, all that kind of stuff. I guess my criticism would be, this might be a way to speed up the game, but there's not an intentional walk every game. No, definitely not. And in, in the instances, I suppose it's not going to be that common, but still, something about it does just don't sit right with old Patrick over here. <laughs> well, that, that that's fine, <laughs> but but I, I think it raises the discussion. If they really want to speed up the game, aren't there other things they can try to tackle? I mean, they've tried to limit some of the times between innings or try to get pitchers to pitch a little faster. It, it seems to me nothing seems to stick. 
And it seems to me they're they're reluctant to crack down on saying, okay, you have 10 seconds to throw a pitch once you get the ball back, or it's a ball, you know, yeah. or the guy gets his base. I mean, they have to. It seems like they have to have penalties that they're willing to stick to. If you're a batter, you can't step out of the batter's box in between pitches. You have to keep both feet in and stay ready for the pitch. You can't do the Nomar Garcia para and adjust your gloves. 20,000 times every at bat. That would speed it up a lot more so than this. Like what you said, it's, there's not that many common, it's not that common for people to be intentionally walked. At least not as common as guys stepping out of the batter's box. Right. And I mean, this is the thing. I mean, I mean, look, I've, I've become certainly, every, well, a lot of people are following the Blue Jays more lately. I'm generally more of a viewer of baseball in the postseason, especially to watch an entire game or a large section of a game, Right. But, I mean, sometimes I think, okay, the game starts at 6. Uh, maybe I'm doing something, whatever. I'll turn it on at 8 and watch the last three innings. Well, you turn it on at 8, and it's the top of the fifth. <laughs> right? So baseball has has an issue. I mean, quite frankly, I think football has an issue, too. I, I mean, I know even uh, in the NFL and the CFL, a lot of people are complaining that the games take too long. They don't want to invest that much time to watch a game. I mean, it's... It's not too bad. Sometimes the games drag on a little bit. Uh, I mean, hockey, I, I think, successfully sped things up. I mean, most games take around 240, 245. Now, now they, a 7.30 game sometimes doesn't start till 7.40 or 7.42, yeah. depending on the arena and the TV presentation. But uh, I don't know. I don't mind that baseball tried to do that. We'll see how it actually works out. Patrick, thanks for uh, working tonight, buddy. I appreciate it. Anytime. My that pleasure. This is our studio producer, Patrick Bauer. One final look at the scoreboard. The Flames up 2-1 on the Lightning. That is with six minutes left. Islanders still lead the Canadians 2-0. That's with six minutes to go. The Rangers have tied it in Toronto. JT Miller with his 19th. It's 1-1 with six minutes to go. Predators lead the Avalanche 3-2 after two. Now 4-3 Chicago over Arizona. That's halfway through the second period. Bruins and Kings still to come tonight. I mentioned the Pandas basketball playoff game. They win game one of their Canada West quarterfinal. 62-58 over UBC. The Bears coming up, uh, tipping off in a few minutes against Lethbridge. Golden Bears hockey tomorrow at 7 at Claire Drake Arena against the Calgary Dinos. Game one of their best of three quarterfinal. Oilers didn't practice today. We'll find out more about Sekera and Larson in the morning. 3.30 face-off show here on 6.30. Chad, the game against the Capitals will start at 5. Thanks to our guests. You heard from Kelly Rudy, Tyson Bailey from the Bears, and champion curler Brendan Botcher. My name is Reed Wilkins. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. Charles Adler tonight is up next. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.